coming up. They still don't think this was random. They think this was purposely executed, that whoever these suspects were walked into this West Houston realty office and executed these women. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Knowing that these women were had to have been terrified, yeah. that breaks my heart. I don't understand it. I'll never understand it. But just to have the peace of mind that someone's been held accountable. I want to know why somebody would do this to these three women loved by everyone. It, it just doesn't make sense. We have just passed the August anniversary of a triple murder that took place in the Houston area back in 1983. I'm joined by reporter Grace White at KHOU in Houston, Texas, to tell us more about this really horrific case, and it's one that is still unsolved. Right, Grace? It is unsolved, Will. And this is one of those cases that's always stuck with me. It's one of the biggest unsolved cases in Houston and really very tragic. There were three victims, and I think that's what's so memorable, are these were three women realtors who were murdered execution style in their office in West Houston. Yeah, it's really unbelievable to hear about uh, because you hear about these three women who were working, my understanding, and you can fill in the details for us, working a little later in the day after everyone had left and then someone else came back and found them. But tell us about what was going on and tell us about the three women who were who were found murdered. Sure. So Elizabeth Shoemate was 54 years old, Joanne Brown, 46, and Frances Ivy, 60. These were three well-known women in their communities. They were friendly, stylish, well-dressed. The office was a place that they felt safe. They socialized. People would stop by. They were in the business of buying and selling homes. And it was the 80s, and they felt very comfortable there. We spoke to the daughters of Frances Ivy. They told us their mom was never worried about her safety. She always felt safe. And this really shook an entire community when this happened. And so tell us what what happened on that day back in, in August of 1983. It was closing time. So most people had already left for the day. And these three women, Elizabeth, Joanne, and Francis, were still there. They were working in the office. And uh, another worker returning to the office around 6.30 discovered the crime scene. Elizabeth Shoemate was tied up. Francis Ivy and Joanne Brown were close by, and, and some of their jewelry was stolen. And so immediately, detectives started running with this theory that maybe it was a robbery. They wanted their jewelry. They were after uh, these women for their valuables, but they were never able to pin down a motive because, of course, they've never been able to solve it and nail down a suspect. So it's really a true mystery. And these three women murdered, all shot in the back of their head. Right. Execution style. It just sounds so awful. One of them was actually tied up. And I know you did a report on this, I believe it was last year, where uh, there's the possibility maybe there's some forensic evidence on on the piece of material that was used to, to tie that one victim up, right? Yeah, we had done some research and looked at old newspaper articles and noticed this nylon Venetian blind cord, a piece of evidence, basically, that this newspaper article mentioned. It was used to tie up Elizabeth Shoemate, and we started wondering, 
could it be tested for DNA? So we talked to Houston Police Department's cold case unit about that, and they said, you know, there's really two big hurdles, technology and, and funding. Uh, technology, you know, has come a long way in terms of DNA, but, you know, every case is unique and, you know, every piece of evidence is unique. And so really, you know, their their first question is, you know, is the technology ready? Can we extract DNA from this blind cord that was used to tie up one of the victims. And the second issue is funding. You know, the DNA testing is expensive. And obviously in Houston, there's a ton of cold cases, a ton of crime still happening and and homicide cases that are on their desk right now to solve. So really two big hurdles from the police perspective, technology and funding. And that's really where it sits today. It's still a cold case. What I decided to do is look at it from the um, testing aspect of it, the forensic aspect of it, to see what new technologies out there uh, that we can access to maybe test some of the evidence that we still have. It's just a matter of when technology is going to catch up with what you have. And I know I jumped ahead to, to the current day and in the investigation, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, actually. But if we go back again to 1983, when police were first investigating this, uh, they thought it might be a robbery. My understanding is they went to local pawn shops. They were looking for the jewelry, but nothing ever turned up, right? Nothing ever turned up at pawn shops, but it was interesting on the actual crime scene. Detectives have told us that these women had time to hide some pieces of the jewelry beneath chair cushions and trash cans. So that was an interesting detail, you know, to, to know that, you know, when these suspects rushed in, there was time for them to kind of try to uh, hide this jewelry to make sure the suspects wouldn't take it. But over time, my understanding also is that detectives suggested that this didn't seem really just like a, a random robbery. It seemed so well-planned. And there was one other interesting detail that I don't know if it matters or not, and it didn't seem to turn anything up, but that uh, the office was also being used by one of the husbands of the women who was murdered for his business too, right? Police did look at that other business. So it was run out of the same building, the same office in West Houston. It was Shoemate International, so Elizabeth Shoemate's husband. It was an oil field equipment company, and so they looked at that. But, you know, they really didn't find anything that produced any leads or certainly any suspects or any arrests, and it was just another dead end. And back to that point about this not seeming random, what what can you tell us about that? We visited with cold case detectives, Will, and they told us they still don't think this was random. They think this was purposely executed, that whoever these suspects were walked into this West Houston realty office and executed these women. Uh, they said that there was not a big struggle. Again, they did think first it was a robbery, but because the case went cold, they were never able to pin down a motive. But Grace, there was a, a sketch early on as well. Is that right? There was. So right after the murders, two people came forward, two witnesses saying they saw a man near that real estate office and they had a composite sketch worked up and they released it to the media, hoping to you know drum up some tips and leads. But detectives thought all along there were at least two killers, and originally they thought one of them might be a woman. Three women killed execution style in their real estate office in Houston back in 1983. You can only imagine how much attention this got locally, but then nationally as well, right? It did. Well, it got national attention in the 90s. The Oprah show actually picked up the case. They had all three families on and the original detective, and they featured it as a cold case, hoping someone would come forward. And with all that national attention, I know families of the victims, some of the family members have spoken to 
various media outlets, and, and you've spoken to some of them as well, right? We did. We were able to track down Joanne Brown's daughter, Patty Piper. She lives in Alabama, and her daughter told us that she always wondered what happened to her mom. This is a case that's haunted her for years and affected her family in so many different ways. So she's obviously been supportive of the investigation, in touch with investigators over the years when she can be, and really wants to see something happen, like so many of these families do. Um, her daughter told us that, you know, life in the 80s wasn't easy for her mom. She was in a, a difficult marriage and was actually planning to leave at the time. Her daughter said after the murder, she went to Joanne Brown's house to get her things and noticed money and jewelry missing, but said police never were able to tell her if it was connected. Grace, I want to get back to the detective who is now uh, looking into this case or has been in recent times lo looking at it. You mentioned some of the challenges that go along with new technology, including, you know, the cost of it and just getting it uh, into the, 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 the mix of all the other cases they're trying to, to solve. But this one is, has not been left behind, uh, even though it's almost almost four decades old. Absolutely not. They they want to solve this case. Again, it's one of the biggest unsolved cases in Houston. It's certainly, uh, you know, something so memorable because there were three victims. And these are three victims, three women that were well-respected, well-loved in the Houston area. And they were realtors. And the daughters of Francis Ivey told me they're both working in the real estate industry. And they preach safety to um, their coworkers and colleagues. So this is something that still stands sticks with these families, it still sticks with police, and there's still a $5,000 reward for information that leads to an arrest in this case. So it's something that Crime Stoppers, these families, and Houston Police's cold case unit still want to bring attention to, still want tips on if there are people out there that know something all these years later. All right, Grace White at KHOU in Houston, we appreciate your help. Thanks so much. Thanks, Will. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday. Be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a great review if you like what you hear. And if you'd like to learn more about the show and Vault Studios, check out our Facebook group, Inside the Crime Vault.